Genre. To Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one heart-wrenching minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Paul Montgomery. Thanks for being here, Paul. Appreciate it. You coming back for another day with us. This is fun. These are great minutes. Absolutely. I got I got choice spider minutes. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> web. Um today we're talking about minute 37, which um begins well, we're continuing our conversation in the car from uh Yesterday with uh, Uncle Ben saying he knows he's not Peter's father and ends with some wrestling fans displaying some very well-made signs for mm-hmm. Mr. Bonesaw. And the, and the rep starting to, to count down. To count down, yes, after uh, Bonesaw has pinned his opponent. Uh, so yeah. pr- kind of a tonal whiplash that we're going for in today's match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. Honestly, it's a really good thing there's an establishing shot because as silly as it is, like the concept that we're inside that massive building, even though the set is like pretty tiny for what it is. <laughs> sure. Um, as silly as that, uh, that is like without it, I, I don't, I don't think this transition works at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, I mean, I can imagine, <laughs> I could imagine Peter slamming the car door and then right smash cut into the flying elbow drop because that's how <laughs> uncle Ben feels <laughs> when Peter gets out of the car. Um, yeah. So, so before we get into the, to the fun stuff, um, Mm -hmm. we got to talk about the pain, uh, the pain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen, uh, a, a, a a hurt old man (laughs) captured in cinematic perfection as much as this moment. Like when he says, then stop pretending to be. Oh, Cliff oh, Robertson just looks destroyed. I mean, this yeah. is worse than when he gets shot later on. Spoiler, sorry. But yeah, yeah. Because this, yeah. this is this is really personal. Um, and he's you know, and at that point, he's really not all there. Uh, mm-hmm. when he's when he's laying on the ground. But um, in in this moment, this is like, and that he takes it. Um. Yeah, I, I mentioned last episode that this guy reminds me so much of my grandfather and uh, that that reaction to what Peter said is uh, so Roman Catholic to me um, <laughs> that he just absorbs it. He yeah. doesn't try to deflect it at all. Um, mm-hmm. He just turns back to the steering wheel. You can see the gears going. Yeah, All the, the just the micro movements in his eyes like that mm-hmm. man uh, really, really strong performance there. Um, and it's just him and Toby both, honestly. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Because you can see he regrets it immediately as he says it. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Toby, like he 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 shouts in that way you do when you're you're getting too hyped up in an argument or or a, or a disagreement where you get 
things build up and then you say something that you you wouldn't ever say genuinely to that person in a calm moment. You don't mean it really, but it's the it's the most I don't know, painful thing you can think of to say in that moment and right. almost as a defense it comes out. Right. Like, boy, boy when he says it that like the look in Toby's eyes immediately after saying it and then we just cut to like you said him accepting. It's it's not a, it's one of those things where you talk about like oh, the way this actor gave this line, the way that they, you know, put their spin on this phrasing. A lot of times it's more, I'm way more impressed by the way an actor listens or, you know, I try to pay more attention to it these days. And Cliff just sits on it for a second. There's almost a little nod. Yeah. And and then the score comes in. And, and then we're finally back into movie land. Uh, mm-hmm. It is just, just brutal. Uh, it's that that moment with Toby is is really perfectly executed by him too because it's uh, such a teenager thing where where you say something terrible or do something terrible and you know it's terrible yeah but uh, being a teenager you don't have the maturity to recognize or or or, or you don't have the maturity to be able to sort of take yourself down from that and say, yeah. okay, well, that was a mistake. Yeah. Instead, you sort of double down on it and just like, okay, I'm in too deep. So yeah. I just have to live with what I just did and just, nope, it was the right thing. I'm going to, yep, for yeah. it was definitely, I'm not hurt by nope. the expression on my <laughs> uncle's face. I'm, <laughs> Was I was totally justified in what I just said, um, yeah. and it's it's he's such made, a teenager thing. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's it's so perfectly executed. Yeah, it, it there there would be a great temptation to put some sort of little button on the end of this scene, some sort of like snarky one liner for him to say at the end of it. But no, Uncle Ben says I'll pick you up at eight, and Peter just 10. I mean at ten. Sorry, he says I'll pick you up at ten, and Peter just gets out of the car. He doesn't even say anything. He just gets out of the car. Oh, oh, my heart breaks every time. Yeah, Ah, every, you know, and it's very relatable. We've all said something to someone that we care about that we didn't mean and we wish we could take back. And you just kind of have to stew in it. Like there's no there's no walking it back in them. You you know, you got to cool off. Yeah. And just get yeah. get out of there. And then he almost gets hit by a bike, and you kind of wish he did. <laughs> yeah. Clipped by a bike messenger, as it were. <laughs> yeah, there is uh there is an extra beat in the in the in the shooting script that I'm really glad that they cut because mm-hmm. uh, it's just a little much. Yeah. Um after he climbed after he gets out of the car and we get that shot of him watching the car drive away, he says to himself, I'm sorry. And then <laughs> no, it's just no nope. it's a little much it's like yeah i you trust your actors screenwriter it's, like right. it's, <laughs> yeah. too, it's too early and you know he this isn't i mean that's that's the moment when you know uncle ben dies that's when he gets to that point emotionally he's not there yet yeah, yeah. right yeah right he's oh. still angry and how he behaves you know in the in the next sequence is he's coasting on that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, just, I mean he's being a brat he's yeah. just being a brat yeah and because he's not he's not the hero yet uh he's right. on his way there but he's still bratty teenager land right now there's something i just got reminded of which 
you know, maybe it might be better to talk about um, more specifically in later minutes when we do have the the gunshot moment and the sidewalk and whatnot. But there was a um, an interview with Cliff Robertson where he had a phrase about um, the way you prepare for unexpected moments as an actor is you don't prepare for them. Uh, and it's sort of his phrasing being that like, even though you as the reader, uh, when you're looking at the script, know how the scene is going to end, your character never knows how the scene is going to end. So if there's something really hurtful, like a gunshot or like a um, parting insult from your uh, your nephew, um, you can't know it's coming. So you just try to not prepare for it and believe in your core that the scene is going to turn out the way your character wants it to turn out. And so that that sort of moment of defeat in his eyes um, is is that that sort of thing incarnate that there's no way you could pretend to act all of those slight little movements that he has when the when he's so genuinely hurt there you can only get to that space by not expecting it and then letting us look right at you while you have your your most vulnerable uh sad moment in front of you it's just such a brave thing to do as an artist and i'm i'm impressed every single time i watch it that's the thing. The uh, the British director uh, Mike Lee um, yeah. did movies like Naked, um, yeah. which just like destroyed me when I was uh, in college, um, yeah. and and Topsy Turvy, um, things like that. He did. I forget which which movie it was, but I remember reading um, a story where two uh, female characters um, in the film meet for the first time, mm-hmm. and he didn't tell either actress who the other actress was. Oh, uh, in in advance of the scene, and yeah. had them like turning a, each turning a corner, and <sighs> so they didn't meet, they didn't prepare or anything like that, and so it was a genuine like first encounter between these first two impressions. People. Oh wow! And I just thought that was so interesting, and obviously, you, I mean, for a movie like this, um, mm-hmm. that requires you know you to go through so many hurdles mm-hmm. to get cast and all the different. Um, um, you know, auditions that you have to get the different rounds you have to go through that stuff could never happen. But, uh, right. it, it's, it's really interesting. And, and even thinking about it, like how, like, how do you prepare to genuinely go through a surprising moment, a traumatic moment, yeah. uh, in, in acting and even thinking about not thinking about it is <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> too much. Yeah. Like, so, uh, that's, that's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I, and I still, I mean, all these years later, I viscerally remember his death scene. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't watched the movie in years and years aside from, uh, the clips that we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I, I can still see the look in his eyes and, yeah. um, it just felt very not theatrical. Yeah. I don't know if real is the right word, but it felt like something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something so, grounded, uh, yeah. I, I look yeah. forward to you guys talking about that stuff, but yeah, um, but... we have a wide spectrum in this minute. <laughs> it's true, <laughs> a yeah. lot happens. <laughs> well, and very... one, one more thing yeah. before yeah. we before we leave, uh, Uncle Ben. I, yeah. I I think that one of the things that we've talked about, um, especially uh, in comparison to the the Amazing Spider-Man films, which mm-hmm. which I don't want anyone to think that we're like dogging on them because no, we, no. we're going to get to those at some point, and we'll we'll have a lot of positive things to say about those films. Um, uh, but uh, one of the things that they tried to do, which I don't, 
I don't blame them for making this difference. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, we're going to reboot this series. Let's maybe focus on his parents a little bit. That's right. not that's not a wrong-headed thing to do. Like it mm-hmm. makes sense to me um yeah. from a storytelling yeah. perspective. But w- one of the things that is different here is that we we don't know anything anything about Peter's parents yeah. in these in this Raimi trilogy. Yeah. And I think the fact that we know absolutely nothing about Peter's parents mm-hmm. makes that line even more painful because we mm. feel what uncle Ben is feeling because we're like, you little jerk, like you ungrateful <laughs> little jerk. Like these people raised you because <laughs> we don't know his parents. We have no yeah. context for that whatsoever. Scott, we do know his parents. Their yeah. names are uncle Ben. They're sp- and yeah, right. There yeah, you go. right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, and that's, and, and that's the thing, right? So this, this line of him saying, you know, stop trying to be my father, mm-hmm. uh, stop pretending, pretending to, be to be my father. Yeah. yeah I, I think it hurts so much more because we never met them the way that we meet them in the amazing Spider-Man movies. Right. Right. Because they're not even a factor. Yeah. 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 And, and then the, the pretending part is really right. Uh, Sticking point too, and I mentioned the Roman Catholic thing with uh, <laughs> with Uncle Ben. He feels he probably feels worse about himself and his performance in this. He feels like he screwed this up. Yeah, he's not just he's not just mad at Peter for being irrational. He thinks he probably thinks that Peter is making a bit of sense here. That he's like, right. yeah, maybe I am trying a bit too hard. Maybe mm-hmm. that is yeah. that is wrong, and or or maybe like I'm, you know, I I, I didn't reach him. Yeah, and, if I'd done this right. better, this would have gone well at this point. Right, you know, yeah. Which which goes toward that what I was saying in the last minute. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's just doing his best. Yeah. And what's frustrating, I think, for Ben as a character is that sometimes his best isn't good enough or he's mm. always worried that his best isn't good enough. You know, like yeah. he did his best at work and he got laid off. Yeah. He does did his best looking for a new job and he's not qualified for anything. Yeah. You know, like he can't provide for his family even though he's doing his best. He, he's just – he's not doing it. And so like the one thing he thought he could do is, uh, you know, try to impart – some sort of wisdom to this kid yeah. and that doesn't go over well either. And so I think he's just, he's just, the poor guy's just broken at this point because he hasn't pulled off anything that he's attempted to do mm-hmm. in the past, you know, couple of days. And I think it's, it's really hitting him hard. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Ugh. But but what what is at least a, a saving grace in this sort of de- depression space I've found myself in and considering that is that at least later we'll all realize that it was the effort that mattered and that the message mm-hmm. didn't get through. But for right now, for him and for Peter, this is really sad. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So on to lighter things. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we are at this wrestling uh thing so so i i don't i don't know about you zach um uh-huh. but i when when programming uh the next couple of weeks i tried to bring on uh guests who knew a lot about wrestling or legitimate uh-huh. wrestling fans because oh, wow. i know 
I know and I have a passing knowledge of wrestling and that's it. I never really followed it. Right. Every everything I know kind of comes from general pop culture and yeah. whatnot. So my understanding, Paul, because Paul, Paul, <laughs> you you are a big wrestling fan. And so yeah, my absolutely. my understanding of of how wrestling works, and and forgive me if if my ignorance is getting in my way here, but um <laughs> is that it is scripted and choreographed with bits of improvisation occasionally. Mm. Yeah. They basically, they go out there with bullet points. Um, right. This is, this is maybe not the most authentic depiction of professional right. wrestling. Right. Um, <laughs> sure. that's, that's what I was getting at. Cause like this, this entire situation can't really happen. No, yeah, accurately. And we'll talk right? more about that in the in the next minute where right. there's something particularly egregious going on. <laughs> um, but this is and it's weird for it to be in that building. Um it's uh at this scale. Now this is an interesting time in wrestling 2002. Uh-huh. Um this would and again like but then again when does Spider-Man take place? I mean, is right. this, True. because this part, you know, there's a bit of um foreshortening going on here where we have right. he later gets uh he graduates from high school and um yeah. you know, so they're they're you know uh, he's a young adult in you know the latter part of the movie but anyways so it's let's say it's a, it's around 2001 2002 mm-hmm. um and you can tell this story through the life and times of uh randy poffo aka randy macho man savage yeah mm-hmm. um at this point um this is the, this and this is the most prominent live action role that um that Randy Savage had as as an actor, although unless you consider the Macho Man character and you know an acting <laughs> job, um, right, right. but but after this he did some voice stuff. Uh, he was in some video games, some animated movies, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, this was his big live action feature film role, mm-hmm. and this was post WCW. This is if you've heard of the Attitude Era, uh, which uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and uh, Degeneration okay. X, um, yeah, right, Goldberg, right. a lot of that stuff. A lot. This is a little bit post that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the post Attitude Era, and then um, this is a little bit before. Randy did do a little bit of wrestling after this in TNA, uh-huh. um, but it was very minor. He basically showed up for things, and mostly the acting stuff, not necessarily the uh, grappling wrestling stuff right. after this. Um, and uh, you can tell I did some of my some of my research for this episode. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but basically this is uh, this is about nine ten years out from his death, as well as Cliff Robertson's death. They both died yeah. in twenty eleven. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, but yeah, Randy Savage, huge presence. And when he was tasked with actual acting, he was mostly playing wrestlers. Yeah, um, he played wrestlers on other sitcoms and in movies and short films and things like that. But uh, such and what I know him, run. what I know him primarily from, which is uh, the Slim Jim, Slim Jims, uh, yeah, Slim, yeah, Slim Jim <laughs> spokesman, yeah, yep. yeah. When right. I when I saw that, that was my thought was like, uh, oh, it's yeah. the Slim Jim guy. Yeah, um, that's that's just that's what I knew him most from. You know, those also Slim Jim wrestler. At this point, he was basically doing the character stuff. He was, you know, the, um, like in the NWO running into the ring and like grandstanding and things like that. Pretty much what he's doing in this moment here. Yeah. Um, right. Known for that elbow drop, the flying elbow drop. That was his signature oh, okay. move. Got it. Um, so the where he takes out this uh, this jobber basically, um, who is, as far as I can tell, not credited on uh-huh. IMDb. You can't figure out who this guy is. Um, an eagle-eyed viewer might be able to to say, but um, yeah, 
but it's anyways, um, Facebook group. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I would, I would love to, to know, um, looks a little bit like Bam Bam Bigelow, but I don't think that's accurate. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, Randy Savage, huge presence. Um, and he's basically playing a take on Crusher Hogan here, uh, from the comics. Yeah. And, uh, Bonesaw McGraw, just great name for a wrestler. <laughs> um, Randy Savage also, you know, one of the great wrestling, you know, I wouldn't say technicians, but he is a great uh, athlete. Um, yeah. And uh, he was in one of my favorite wrestling matches of all time, WrestleMania three, I believe, with uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, mm-hmm. uh, often considered one of the best um, wrestling matches of all time, um, wearing pink tights, yellow boots. And uh, this is this is obviously his uh, his his later years, uh, right. but still has it. Um some of the most memorable lines from the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Bonesaw is ready. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, really, really laying it on thick. Uh, yeah. Fantastic, though. Um, and gets to do a really cinematic uh, flying elbow drop. So, yeah, I mean, I, I almost I almost opened this week. If, if we hadn't opened this week on, on, you know, the great power, great responsibility, I probably would have opened this week by saying that we have you for three minutes. Um, because, <laughs> because I mean, that's, that's the line, right? Like that, that's the bone saw line. It's true. Um, yeah, you're it's totally true. right. He has a lot of his dialogue is mm-hmm. very, uh, iconic, um, yeah. for, for this film, especially considering what's he's, it's a, it's a super minor role in the grand scheme of things, but uh-huh. it's very, very memorable. Yeah. Super it's charismatic. A, it's yeah. a mythic role though, right? Like it's yeah. uh, I mean, well, it's, he's not the robber in the story. So like, if you're, you know, if you're doing again to the Roman Catholicism, but the stations of the cross of Spider-Man story, <laughs> Crusher Hogan is in there. Yeah. Um, right. Maybe not named, but as a bit player um, wrestling with, uh, with Peter uh, in yeah. that part of his, uh, of his origin story of his road to becoming Spider-Man. Right. Because he might be wearing a variation on the costume at this point, but he's not Spider-Man yet. And it'll take right. a, yeah. a while for that to happen. Though we have sort of condensed down into, I mean, we have, correct me if I'm wrong, because you reread this more recently than I did, Scott, but uh, that we had, Peter sort of tests his powers by getting in the ring with Crusher Hogan in the original Dicto stuff, and then eventually does some TV appearances and stuff. And then, right. then has yeah. this sort of promoter. Right. We sort of yeah, he has all a, that into this. Yeah. Right. And it, it's, it's, it's actually, it's funny because, um, you know, one of the things you know, when people are talking about that amazing fantasy story, mm-hmm. um, you know, they talk about how, uh, decompressed the ultimate Spider-Man version of it mm-hmm. is, but even the ultimate Spider-Man version is still just the one fight. Like he doesn't become yeah. like a wrestling sensation or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens in the amazing fantasy story. I mean, you know, in, in like maybe two pages worth of, of story, mm-hmm. you know, he becomes sort of a pseudo celebrity before the, uh, the event with the, with the thief happens. Yeah. Um, And I, and I think that that's really interesting because it sort of builds up Peter's ego a little bit more than what this does. But again, this Peter, as we've been saying a lot, this Peter is a much different Peter than the Peter in the comics. Yeah. Um, He's a little, right. He's not, he's definitely not as uh, ego driven as uh as as the peter you know the the ditko created peter parker mm-hmm. um who who is much more of an ego driven 
uh, guy, and as well as as well as Stan Lee to yeah. to an extent. But yeah. but Ditko wasn't afraid of. Um, uh, he felt he he never felt like he needed to pull his punches with the characters that he co-created. He was oh, no. always like, no, let them let them be jerks. Like yeah. let them be let them be jerks and uh, let them get their comeuppance. I don't care. Yeah. Um. And and that was definitely the case with with Peter and as well as uh you know Stephen Strange later on. Right. Yeah. I mean, if if they wanted to stick directly to that origin story, they'd have to do a pretty extensive montage here. And yeah. Probably want to heighten it to um, to Tobey Maguire's performance in Spider Man Three, uh, yeah. where he's a total <laughs> yeah. dick. And yeah. but the, but obviously, like we saw how that went, mm-hmm. so we kind of have an idea of how it could right. have gone here. Right. But um, also, it's just it's so far removed from a teenager's experience and trying to create yep. some any kind of authentic depiction of. Mm-hmm. What would actually happen if a high schooler got superpowers, yeah, got a little bit out of control, and then rebounded by learning a very tough life lesson and becomes a hero? And mm-hmm. so even tackling the professional wrestling thing, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, only Raimi, really. <laughs> right, I mean, right. like, <laughs> even, well, like I, I could see a, a lot of other people cutting that bit out and coming up with a different reason Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a different context. Well, they did in, a, in Amazing yeah. Spider-Man. The, they did with the wet right? ones. Yeah, I mean, they have yeah. him like fall. He falls through a um, uh, a, a roof into a wrestling ring at one point, and like right, stands right, right. in it for a second. But that's as close as they do to it. They just sort of excise right. it completely. And I think it is at least. I mean, this sort of middle path, I think, is really efficient for this film because it it makes the um the through line a bit clearer from you know mm-hmm. the the sort of normal everyday suburban environment than this, this sort of weird flash ego zone and then back into the lesson rather than having it over a long montage with him becoming a TV personality or rather than having a lot more scenes in the way sort of collapsing those together into this at least gives us a, um, a one important event that shows mm-hmm. that. And, well, and, it, and yeah. it's and it's the way that it's depicted, and and, and you know, I don't yeah. want to get too far into it, but sure, 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 because sure. we're going to get to it next week. But mm-hmm. the way it's depicted, it's still an ego moment. It's yeah. just not. It's just not over o- overdone. Like there's yeah. not that montage of mm-hmm. of ego, Peter. Yeah, it's it's one decision, one choice that he makes, driven by his ego. Yeah, that you know ruins everything right and without um, without, without spoiling anything from the upcoming spider-man homecoming but it, uh, this is stuff from the marketing we uh-huh. get this we get at least this and this is even from um you know uh captain america 3 civil yeah. war um he's a youtube sensation yes, sort of exactly right. just a, a yeah. youtube sensation on the rise so that's yeah, how you right. do that in 2017 exactly so that's yeah yeah yeah. But like, oh, back yeah, in that's, 60s, that's actually like, he really like, great. He was in like that. Hollywood productions. Right. He was like on the. Yeah. Like nobody something. knew who yeah. he was. He was just Spider-Man. And it's like, <laughs> right. How do you do that? in <laughs> right. you know, this kind of coming of age. film. Well, yeah. Ga- I mean, Gallagher did it. Uh, you know, we're <laughs> him. there was like there, were, there was like three of them. Right. And they yeah. all were like, I'm Gallagher. But they were like three different people. Right. So. Um, so, so crazy thing. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Gallagher performed on the stage where I graduated high school. So really? <laughs> regularly, he, he did a yearly thing at the Keswick Theater uh, inside PA. Wow. Um, anyways, and I always missed it. I always said, next year I'm going. And then right. I forget. And, <laughs> right. and, I, and I read about it like the week later. And anyways, um, 
the, the crazy thing about this minute, we've talked about all this. We haven't mentioned Bruce Campbell at all. No. Well, he isn't. He's not in this minute, is he? Yeah, he is. I don't think he is. Yeah, he is. Wait, isn't he? he he's a pre- no. the presenter. No, oh, no, yeah, no. The, right. the rep hasn't... starts to count down. Right? He's in next minute. Yeah, yeah, oh, he's right. in next minute. Okay. All right. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Here yeah, is yeah, something yeah. So at least him. that I do want to, <laughs> I do want to touch on in terms of uh, the shift into this wrestling world. Um, I, I have been, I don't know why this week I've been paying more attention to sound cues and things like that. But one thing that I do love about this uh, sort of ascent into this heightened ego land that he, that he enters into when we actually come into the wrestling ring is that as Peter's coming up the stairs, logically in in you know the real world if you're coming up the stairs to the the um the bleachers or whatever in this stadium it would be very very loud and you'd be able to hear everything going on but the way that they actually show it in um in this minute as peter comes up the stairs it's very quiet and as the camera turns and reveals the mm-hmm. entire auditorium this the the sound design um the the levels get brought up and so as we look with our eyes the sound grows into this roar and it it surprises you like the scale of the mm-hmm. event uh, is much more than you were expecting as he when he starts to go up the stairs i just like that um it's a trick but not like a not like a mean trick uh it, yeah and, yeah you know it's not like well, faking it starts it yeah it starts with the stomping too in the establishing mm-hmm. shot to sort yeah. of like bring us into it yeah. um and so it sort of builds to that crescendo and yeah. i think that what you're talking about also allows them to get away with not having a massive set because um, yeah. you know like a like a big wrestling event you, those are those are I, I mean, I don't even think this ring is full size. It yeah. doesn't look like it to this me. This is, looks- yeah, th- uh, this is meant to be like underground. Right. Um, mm-hmm. This isn't meant to be on the WWE scale. Yeah. Um, yeah. No television cameras here or anything. Right, right, right. This- so, so when we're, so when we come up over there, you know, the scale of the, of the sound design mm-hmm. allows for you to feel like this is bigger than it actually is in reality. Like right. if you were on that set, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look much bigger than like a, like a fairground, you know, mm-hmm. kind of concert sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, like a very small, you know, kind of thing. I, I, I just, I really like the sound design, you know, all, sort of building, um, uh, scope to this yeah. sequence. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And again, I said this is an interesting time in wrestling. This is a very transitional period. This before sort of WWE like sort of figured itself out mm-hmm. and, and got it's like certain, backyard wrestling. I was going to say like <laughs> actually like backyard wrestling was really popular at this point. And I actually mm-hmm. know some former back, <laughs> backyard wrestling. But um, uh-huh. this like this would be a point like uh, that's almost how I would depict it if it were 2002. Right. Um there's a little bit more of this going on today, yeah, um, yeah. but it probably wouldn't have necessarily this level of production value or be this cartoony on the indie circuit. So mm-hmm. this is kind of like WWE pageantry or WCW pageantry, which is mm-hmm. what would be seen on TV during this time or a little or the f- couple years before that would have uh, influenced this. But um, other than that, you're looking at like hotel ballrooms, um, <laughs> like. Yeah weird theaters where like i can't like how are they gonna fit like a wrestling ring but they do and that's how yeah. they do indie wrestling on, on this level but so this is kind of odd this is like very top-end production but then on a like a smaller venue scale and it's, yeah. it's a little weird so i 
I it's almost I got, like a black box theater. Yeah. 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 I um I got to be that guy, and I love being that guy. So to go back <laughs> to the the bleacher uh, foley stuff, yeah. um, is it a cinematic choice, or is it part of his spider powers that he has light, deft footfalls as he's coming up the stairs? <laughs> and is that an accurate read on Spider Man's powers? Like I think yeah. he would be pretty agile. But then again, he also has proportional spider strength. So he's supposed to be very strong. That's that yeah. that explains his strength. Right. So would his footfalls actually be louder? Yeah, would he be denser physically uh, than a normal human being of his size? Like if we yeah. if we were like uh, like if we were spider scale, like in a windowsill, yeah. like looking at a spider and it were our height, like yeah. would its footfalls be very loud to us? I think it would be re relatively uh, light for its size. I, th I think there's something about spiders that that sort of the thing that makes them creepy is how sort of uh, graceful they are in in their mm -hmm. speed, um, yeah. and uh, and that they do seem to defy gravity in general. Uh, I, I yeah, I, I kind of like the idea of him having relatively like quick footfalls. I mean, I guess if we get really deep into like the um, the physics of strength and things like that, that maybe Spider-Man would be denser than a regular human being. But uh, I always go back to like the artwork where um, there'll be one, one panel in a comic book um, and have multiple Spider-Man drawn throughout it because he's just bouncing around the walls and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. uh, balancing the, the on time a flagpole. Lapse. He's really yeah. nimble. Lapse, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So there's something about that, that lightness of touch that feels appropriate for the character whether or not it's realistic. So know, I'm, but, I'm mostly yeah. joking. I, I, I understand it's yeah. like a stylistic choice that sure. you wouldn't include the sound effects or the, or the, uh, the environmental the sound really soft from sound. that moment. That yeah. It's a character reason to have him being very quiet. And sure. Creepy. Right. Yeah. But, Sneaky spider. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Paul, do you, uh, do you remember seeing uh, this film for the first time or the lead up yeah. to its release? Yes. Yeah, what was your story? What we want to like know? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were like leading up to something. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. We just like, want to know. Well, I remember uh, how Randy Savage was marketed or something. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know um, yeah, I was. Uh, I was very excited about it. Um, so this was so okay. Help me, help me with the timeline. Like mm -hmm. X Men came out before this, right? Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, so so two, year, all right. two years prior. Mm -hmm. I. You know what I'm what I remember I I remember being excited about it. What I remember more is the the fallout from it. Like I went on a huge Spider-Man thing like yeah. afterwards. Um like I there I got this book and I it's probably out of print at this point, but it was like a Spider-Man encyclopedia and yes. it just it went through just like the history of the the comics and everything and it was sort of it was basically like uh Wikipedia printed out into yes. a yeah, yeah. thing. But like, um, I just poured over that thing and got way into the mythos of Spider-Man because I'd, I'd grown up reading comics, but a lot of them were hand-me-downs from my cousins. And there's more DC stuff. There was more, I, I read more Batman and mm -hmm. um, a, 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 there, was a, there was a bit of Marvel and there was X-Men and stuff. But so I didn't read Spider-Man growing up. I always liked him. I loved the image of him, the costume mm -hmm. design is just great. Um, yeah. I've come to appreciate it, you know, more and more in the years since, and I've gotten back into comics, but Spider-Man, the movie, along with that first X-Men movie were huge in 
my returning to comics as, you know, as a young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was, um, this was high school for me. Yeah. Um, and I think, and, I think you and I are the same age, Paul. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so I think we were both, we were both in, uh, I think like sophomore, junior year. So I, 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 I'm class of Oh three. So yeah, same, that makes same. Sense. So jun- we were both juniors then. Yeah. So, um, it was a big deal. And this was a, a, a big time for me and my friends going to the movies a lot. We like most weekends went out to the movies and, yeah. uh, we do double features and stuff. But, um, this was, this was a big deal. And I saw it, I know I saw it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, this is the benchmark, you know, like yeah. X-Men was neat, you yeah. know? Um, but, um, Spider-Man was just like, mythic and i felt like the origin story was perfect i remember that i remember thinking the origin story they nailed it even if the third act stuff with green goblin wasn't totally sticking the landing like mm-hmm. i could deal with that because yeah. i was so used to that yeah um and yeah. would go on um dealing with that because even through today it's the biggest sticking point for a lot of superhero movies is that third act and that villain. Yeah. Um, even so even good at doing origin who, stories, but yeah. Even people who are always sort of like holding Iron Man up as the perfect superhero movie, that third act is a mess. Like it's the third act of Iron Man is a, is a mess. Like the first two thirds of that movie are very nearly flawless, but that Mm -hmm. third act, like the villain comes out of nowhere, like, and then he just goes crazy for no reason, uh, just because they need a third act fight. And it just, and, and you're right. Like third acts have been a problem for superhero films for a long, long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but this, in general, this one, even if mm-hmm. it has that classic flaw, uh, however, to whatever degree most of them have it, mm-hmm. I, I felt that same way that it just opened my mind of like, oh, they did it. They made mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's to me, bad. I think there's I think there's uh, generally three sort of like touchstone superhero films that you can mm-hmm. sort well for you can mm-hmm. point to and be like, that was a turning point. Yeah, and I think that it's it's Superman the movie, mm-hmm. it's Tim Burton's Batman, it's this, yeah, and I think it's uh, uh, Iron Man. I yeah. think those those four are sort of like the 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 big turning points. And I mean, you could you could point to Batman Begins or The Dark Knight as another one, mm-hmm. but it was almost like a fork in the road that went in this other direction. Yeah. Um, and, and whereas Iron Man took it in a in like the direction that we're like all of the movies are sort of leading toward now, so I tend to give Iron Man a little bit more credit. Yeah, um, I mean, the Iron Man is definitely the start of an epoch, and right. I would say Spider Man and with X Men are mm. the start of the previous one, and I would right. include Batman Begins and and those films in this right previous period. mold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man. As as different as they are, but it's it's that those that trilogy was definitely riding this wave and then was mm-hmm. a little bit influenced by what started in Iron Man, but it's sort of like the the, the, the that's an interesting trilogy in that it like sort of uh, coasts between the two. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, def- definitely this was this was a huge 
event movie, but then also is like this is the start of a new chapter in things, even if we didn't realize it then. Yeah. Um, because then it's just like, you know, what what's coming next? And it's the start of something. And um, and then you don't know what, sort of what that chapter is until the next chapter starts. And so that's with <laughs> like, like Iron Man starting. Yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah. this, is, this is something different. So now we can look back sort of retroactively and look at movies like X-Men, X2, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. Um, yeah. This Which is, yeah. both had really, I'd never yeah. thought about it that way, but but both of those series had really rocky third <laughs> installments. Yeah, no, it, it was a it was a race to the top until it was a race to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, like, I remember thinking that, like, oh, man, X-Men was so good. Like, I can't believe, like, we're in this world. Like, how are they going to beat that? And then Spider-Man came out and you're like, oh, my God, how is that going to beat it? And then the next year, X2 came out. You're like, that was even better. Like, how is Spider-Man 2 going to live up to that? And then Spider-Man and 2 was even better. And then you're like, hey, it's all coming up, you know, it's all coming up <laughs> Millhouse for everybody. It's true and of then, Batman, and then X3. the Nolan Batman, and it's, yeah. and, it's true, and it's true of Iron Man. Well, no, it's not true of Iron Man. No, Iron, Man Iron Man 3 is great. Uh, and Iron Man 2 sucked, so that, <laughs> right. that doesn't work. Fair enough. Yeah. But, I mean, the Iron Man, you could almost track it in terms of, not Iron Man specifically, but the budding Marvel Cinematic Universe that's there. Because I know like mm-hmm. their first big stumble was... Um, not big stumble, but the first big stumble was the uh, Hulk movie they made with uh, Ed Norton, right? That's only the second one. Oh, it's the second one. Right. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, and it's interesting because that's like early on. Um, yeah. So it was like Iron Man and then very shortly thereafter, Incredible Hulk. So it hadn't really built up steam yet. Mm-hmm. And um, Incredible Hulk was, was uh, produced like 50% with Universal. So it was a yeah. different monster. Yeah. Uh, then <laughs> a different monster. But at least it was a. It wasn't a poodle. It wasn't. Yeah. A, it was a <laughs> it's true. No poodles. No poodles. Uh, uh, no poodles. Um. All right. Well, I think that's. Uh. I mean, you guys have any more for for this minute, or do you uh, want to get to the next one? I'm. I'm. I think this is a solid. Uh. Uh. uh car ride length discussion that we've had. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh. Paul, you have. Uh. You got something to something else to plug, or you want to plug the uh the Patreon? Uh, sure. Yeah. I just launched a Patreon because, uh, freelancing times, they are tough. So, mm-hmm. uh, if you like what I've been doing over at fuzzy typewriter, you can go to patreon.com slash fuzzy typewriter. I believe that's the URL. I'm new to this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's my, it's my tagged tweet on Twitter. So, uh, or it's my pinned tweet, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find it there, but, um, it helps us out. We, uh, we're going to offer some extra audio stuff, including, I can, I, I guess I can say this. Um, one of the pa- uh, patron exclusives for uh, one of the tiers is you get extra audio um some bonus content so we'll include little pieces of of interviews that don't make the final cut to to a, a proper episode um but also uh we're going to do an episode where my buddy david campo uh describes the new twin peaks to me because i'm not a twin peaks guy <laughs> <laughs> um, but he loves it and I respect his love for it, but we're going to just do an episode where he just like explains what happens to me. And then I ask him <laughs> questions about it. So that's going to be a special episode just for, uh, just for patrons. So awesome. oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, uh, we'll be back tomorrow and, uh, if you want to check out the other things that we do, uh, go to duelinggenre.com and you can check out Geek by Night, our original uh, podcast series over there that that I created. And, and Zach uh, is one of the actors in it. Um, so uh, so check that out. Uh, super superhero uh, related. Mm-hmm. 
uh, as well as all the other shows uh, that we've got going on. We have a whole uh, so like all of the movies by minute shows, like a lot of them sort of just wrapped up recently. So we we uh, wrapped up uh, the first season of Harry Potter minute. We we wrapped up uh, Back to the Future minute. Um, and uh, and now we're sort of getting into the launch of a bunch of other shows uh, such as uh, Ferris Bueller minute is a thing that's coming and Teenage Mutant Ninja one. Turtles minute. Mm-hmm. Um and um uh a few other oh toy story minute that was one yes. that just launched and mm-hmm. it's uh it's really it's a lot of fun like going into the history of all the toys it's and good choices like those yeah. are rich right exactly um so uh so go so go check those out as well uh if you like the, that sort of thing and uh we'll be back tomorrow with minute uh, 38 bye everybody bye, bye.